0: change the drive into work in traffic so slow connect the dishes to voices that glow thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio connect the
3: stories change your perspective connecting changes everything at and i'm rj bell with the sports betting headlines for monday Milwaukee Bucks beat Brooklyn in an overtime thriller. And now Milwaukee is the favorite to win the NBA title. Atlanta shocks Philadelphia, moves to the conference finals. And this was a team that was 200-1 to Atlanta against winning the title in March. 200-1. to And now the process, the questions are hotter than ever. And even without Chris Paul, Phoenix wins versus the Clippers. That makes eight straight against the thread. Phoenix in the playoffs. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more.
4: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas. Your host, RJ Bell. Give me a number, girl. Give me a phone. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell.
3: Yep, down to the final four. I'm R.J., you heard it. Here on a Monday, live in Las Vegas. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. And woo-wee, we got the final four set, and maybe as many surprises as we've had in memory when it comes to the NBA. Don't forget, typically, the NBA is chalk, chalk, chalk. Seven-game series, almost always the best team wins and advances. Well, we've got some pretty significant upsets, it seems, and this is wide open as any NBA season I can remember, sports bettors listen for the money, sports fans listen to no more than their bodies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox.
5: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a rare off day in the NBA playoffs later on, we've also got our conference fi- finals matchup set in the NBA postseason. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday?
3: Well, in a way, the competition today is, you know, beat up on the 76ers. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any way to start other than the aftermath of the Sixers losing as the number one seed.
5: Yeah, the 76ers lose at home. 103-96 was the final. The Atlanta Hawks advanced the five-seed in the Eastern Conference. They are on to take on the Milwaukee Bucks, and we'll get into that series and its conclusion against Brooklyn later on. But Philadelphia, the story of the NBA world, the one-seed in the East are going home after round two.
3: Okay, so the obvious part, as you said, going home, it seems to me it's obvious, but let's start with this. Do you agree with me, Jonas, that Embiid uh, played exceptionally well overall? You can sit and say, oh, you know, a lot of turnovers uh, the last two games. I think it was eight in each, and that's an unusual number. Uh, other people would counter and say, yeah, but as much as was being asked to him, it, it's a reasonable number of mistakes. Personally, overall, I think that if all you cared about was Embiid, that you'd come – or you'd leave these playoffs with more optimism – more belief in Embiid than you had entering the playoffs, even though obviously for Philly a, a very disappointing result. Do you agree with Embiid being a positive?
5: Yeah, no positive. The only question mark would be the injuries, but you know that's I don't think you can really you know look at that and go oh well that that means I have no faith in him moving forward. He's dealt with injuries, but the fact that he came back, played through it, and still played at a pretty high level uh,
3: in these games. Uh, yeah, I would be pretty happy with Joel Embiid right now. Though in hindsight, the question that we were raising with uh, pretty strong kind of disbelief was for a guy that was hurt with the meniscus, uh, for an injury that no one seemed to have a straight answer, but it seems like every minute on the floor was a potential of a re-injury. And then at some point it feels like he re-hurt that because in the second halves of games after that, Uh, When he seemingly tweaked it, he dropped off significantly. Whereas the question we were raising was he was playing late into some of those earlier games when the game itself seemed to be already decided. There really was the question of what was he and, and in hindsight, it seems even more pronounced. What was he doing late in those games playing?
5: Yeah, I, that's, I mean, we talked about it. It just, it was a little puzzling that he was out there, but I just think this was about him making a statement. Uh, he's dealt with the injury issues and the question marks before he saw the criticism Anthony Davis got by a lot of people and the way that that injury was handled and the way that he wasn't available at certain points. And I just think he wanted to make a statement and let everybody know this idea that I'm not going to be out there competing even at less than a hundred percent is not the case. And I think he wanted to get out there and prove people
3: wrong. And I don't think it made the difference. but boy, it it makes you wonder, you know, was that a less was that a message that maybe was a false message? because in truth, the message he was trying to make seemed to have led or maybe likely contributed to his inability to play well late. Who knows, though? Um, ben Simmons, one thing that strikes me right off the go is here's a guy, a max contract effectively, that they're really saying, Oh what could we get you know it was like James Harden he was going to be a centerpiece of a deal potentially with Harden before the Brooklyn trade you know Houston to Brooklyn and now they're saying well could he maybe CJ McCollum and maybe you know there's these other people and it's like the the basic assumption is that that Ben Simmons with a max contract is still an asset that that Because if you think about it, in the NBA, it's like it's not – when they talk about let's rank the players, it's all relative to their contract, right? There might be a guy that's at a reasonable $4 million a year that is super, super coveted because at $4 million a year, that guy is really good. Though that same contract as a $34 million max level kind of deal in that range might have a negative value. It might have to be you have to include a number one pick – Like with Kemba, they had to include some assets to get rid of the contract. But does it surprise you that Ben Simmons, right now, is still considered, even at a max deal, to be a positive asset that's worth more, that he's worth more in a given year? than the max. I don't know how this postseason helped their well, no, their, yeah. their,
5: flex, their ability to get a ton for Ben Simmons. I mean, if you really had questions about Ben Simmons, and, and look, Charles Barkley made the point, th- these concerns have been out there for years now. This isn't just that it was you know this postseason he dealt with this. These concerns about his inability to shoot and his inability to be effective on offense have been out there for years. If that's the case... I mean, you should have done this deal before this postseason. He shouldn't have been on, on the roster, but it feels like maybe they waited a little bit too long and his flaws got exposed on the big, biggest stage of his career with no LeBron and none of these other powerhouse teams to be able to take the you know some of the attention away and cover up. He was on the biggest stage in standalone games and all his flaws were on center stage. I don't know how that helps you in, in trying to get, facilitate a trade and get the most for
3: your value. Yeah. Yeah, and and the given is it doesn't i it strikes me that that that, that the the Barkley take is it, it's it seems to be more than that which is uh, a year ago and, and and maybe some people were even more skeptical than what i'm going to say but a year ago it was like could a guy that is a really good defender you know on the wing one of the best defenders and this year you know Simmons achieved that also um could he be a number two on a championship team when he can't really initiate his own shot in the playoffs super well? Right, you don't want he's not going to be running the offense through him, uh, initiating if Embiid's on the bench, let's say that seemed to be the question. Now, the question is, can Ben Simmons literally score? That, like, it, 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 the fact that and there's various stats on this, one I tweeted out was in the fourth quarter of the last four games. So effectively a full game of basketball, but it would be the fourth quarter in the last four games, four quarters in total, Ben Simmons field goal attempts were zero. So he played an entire game during crunch time in theory four fourth quarters. And he didn't literally didn't try a shot and, Evident of that was the seemingly dunk he had. Yeah. And, he, and he makes a complicated pass. Like, to me, to not be a fill up the stat sheet score is a question very different than why would why won't this guy dunk the basketball <laughs> late in the game?
5: Yeah, no, it, look, it's one thing, uh, to your point, if, if he just looks at it and goes, I want to be a pass-first guy, I get all that. But at a certain point, that can be a detriment and it's a detriment when you're right there at the basket with an opportunity to have a, to get a dunk. And instead you give the ball up and you've got people inside the arena looking around going seriously. Like that was really the microcosm of his series. It just seemed like as the pressure kept mounting, he wanted no part of it. There was the same conversation we were having about Giannis to where the game they lost at Brooklyn, where they turned the ball over. One of the thoughts was, well, Giannis was, you know, fumbling the ball around because he didn't want to get fouled and have to go to the foul line. Like that, like so he was he was nervous about that moment. Simmons seemed like his was much worse than than Giannis because he didn't want the basketball at all. Like he had no interest in scoring and it was almost to the detriment of his team and I think his coach, I think his probably his teammates, they they were looking at him a little bit differently especially after game 7 and especially after that dunk moment.
3: Well, yeah, to the point of, I mean, if you look at the two most important Sixers right now, and let's uh, put Doc Rivers at the top of that list with Embiid, and Doc Rivers, you know, he was asked, can Simmons be a point guard on a title team? And his quote was, I don't know the answer to that question right now. To me, that's a fair answer, but boy, oh boy, that is a a harsh answer uh, to, to not even with lip service be backing up Simmons. And then you look at Embiid, and this was, you know, made the rounds also when he says, I thought the turning point was when we, I don't know how to say it, when we had an open shot and we made just one free throw, which was the exact dunking play that we're talking about. And I don't know if Embiid's been – Quietly sticking, you know, the knife in Simmons whenever he had a chance over these years. You, you know, you hear about the clogging the middle. You don't know what he's thinking, but I never saw outwardly. Uh, let's just say this: if I didn't see the game, if I didn't see the result, and I only saw that quote. And I knew it was, you know, it was clearly about Simmons. I'd say I knew that hearing it. I would think, what the heck happened in this game? Right. <laughs> so I mean, uh, in a way, if if you were, uh, if you fell asleep a week ago when the, you know, the Sixers were up two to one and they had the long weekend in Atlanta before that Monday game, uh, and then you would think, what could happen in the next eight days or so? That would be like a movie version. Of quite like about Simmons and the troubles, just being like, man, this is like the movie went south, it was like as bad as it could get. I'm not sure you could have dreamt this up. As bad as it's been the last seven or eight days for Simmons, and let me just ask you, could what uh, could you have imagined, if I would have told you that this level was going to happen of trouble for his underperformance, He he's not going to shoot, oh, in the next four games, he's not going to shoot one shot in the fourth quarter, one field goal attempt. He's going to give up a dunk. Like If I would have rattled this stuff off, it's almost unbelievable.
5: Yeah, th- this is as bad as it could possibly be, and especially if you're a Sixers fan to get your hopes up to see how they performed in game six on the road and then thinking, okay, well now we're going back home. Uh, We've got, you know, seemingly the advantages at home and, uh, and, and, you know, hopefully we can survive and advance. And then you deal with whoever you get out of the Brooklyn Milwaukee series to come up this short. And it just felt like, and we, we talked about this, like it felt like late in games, Atlanta had nothing but confidence and Philly was really struggling. Like, and I don't know if it was a confidence thing or a fatigue thing, but you could just tell that when games were close late, Atlanta had the ability to go take that game away and Philadelphia couldn't answer at home or
3: on the road. I agree with you. And we, there's a lot more to cover. Let's take the first break. We're going to compare the process, quote-unquote, to some other teams in the East and some shocking teams, quite frankly, that's done better during the process era. But I think even more shocking is I've got a Doc River stat. With him in game sevens, that is almost. If Ben Simmons had a bad week, this is a bad career when it comes to deciding playoff games. This doc stat is really an indictment.
5: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Head to graduatehotels.com. And again, up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com. Does the craziness of everyday
0: life leave you stressed? Do you notice you're losing a little bit of hair? You're shedding a little bit? Well, if you're noticing a little less hair on your head and you're checking your hairline all the time, Choose from the full line of Toyo Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near
1: you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerackcom sports to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and
0: consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
2: Terms and conditions apply.
0: I disagree with I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words,
3: am RJ Bell. We are straight out of A.
5: and I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look at the postseason struggles of one Doc Rivers.
3: Yeah, and there's stats that you put together and say yeah and then there's a stats you look at and go could that be true and you double check it this might be the first one i had a triple check i mean it (laughs) really is that shocking and we're gonna have it within a minute or two here this is the fastest growing show on fox sports radio the audience has doubled in the last year plus that's because of you and your support thank you so much and we're gonna keep working extra hard to keep delivering for you you can listen to us across the country on 225 stations. And if you don't know that station, just go to foxsportsradio.com. You can find it out. And even... There, listen to the streaming at FoxSportsRadio.com. Here in Vegas, on the Strip, 107 degrees, the neon is pumping. So,
5: R.J., the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the Philadelphia 76ers are going home after a disappointing performance and a loss in Game 7 to the five-seed Atlanta Hawks, which brings up the question not only about Ben Simmons and his future in Philadelphia, but Doc Rivers and his continued struggles in the postseason as
3: coach. Yeah, so if you look at the process, and there were some harsh, you know, like the Associated Press is not known to ha- to write like uh, sensational headlines, right? They they pride themselves on being like a source of sober information, and yeah, they'll have some. F- I mean, it's not like they're going to avoid a. a f- uh, energetic headline but they're certainly not like generating them like some you know like the national Enquirer, or whatever and what you're hearing or if you look at like these headlines with the AP it's things like the process was shown to be false or you know shown to be a non-winning approach and it's like man the the judgments The like almost like it's over, you know, Embiid and Simmons, if they win it next year, it almost doesn't matter with the statements that even places like the AP are sharing. I'm not sure I agree with that, but this is a daunting stat before we get to Doc. And if you think about the process from the 2013 season when it started that in that time, these are the teams in the East with more playoff appearances. So Philly during that time has had four playoff appearances. Boston is at seven, Toronto seven, Milwaukee six, Indiana six, Miami five, Atlanta five, Washington five, Brooklyn five. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight teams – Have made the playoffs more than Philadelphia. And the following teams have made the finals of the East more than Philadelphia, which, by the way, Philadelphia has made it zero times Boston, three, Toronto, two, Milwaukee, two, Indiana, one, Miami, two, Atlanta, two. So think about that. The Atlanta Hawks, this is their second time in the conference finals since the process began, and Philly, Zero times. It's not. It's not like the Embiid's retiring. But boy, up to this point, it's hard to be too impressed with the process. We. I don't think we've ever talked about the process. Are you? Harsh grader of that, or are you still open-minded?
5: Um, I I just think if you get enough chances, you know, uh, you can't miss on everybody. And I mean, they've they've missed on a lot of players, um, but you know, they did hit on Embiid and uh, and Simmons. You know, I think the jury is still out. Um, you know, on whether or not he can fix I think, his shooting, I think he's. Still,
3: they're coming back with a guilty verdict, right? Yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> I
5: mean, as of right now, yeah, they are. Uh, you know, there's one juror that's uh, still on the <laughs> fence, uh, but it no, does feel paid like, off. Yeah, it does. It does feel like a clean sweep. Um, but no, I just, I, I mean. They've done some some good things, but you do look at it and go, all right, well, the Markel Fultz, you know, decision, that wasn't the greatest one in the world. And and this felt like a a really missed opportunity with all the injuries that were happening. Like you looked around and you said and we made the point last week. I mean, if it would not surprise you, even when they were down three, two, that we could be talking about the NBA champion. Like, like, that was a real conversation. And to see that they missed this opportunity with the injuries to Brooklyn, with Milwaukee clearly a flawed team, with the Lakers out, the injury to Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, the, the Chris Paul not being 100%, and now he's got the COVID stuff that's going on. This just felt like a, a, as good of an opportunity as they were going to have with this quote-unquote process group. And unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done at home.
3: Yeah, and, you know, we're going to talk next about – Milwaukee over Brooklyn, but you could make the case and and I would make the case actually that in hindsight if we were looking back at the start of the playoffs today not knowing that if they were going to be replayed, like every, we actually learned what we learned and then we went back in time and played them again, meaning the outcomes wouldn't be the same. But the truth that we would have learned in that version of the outcomes up till now was meaningful. Like how good Simmons played, it meant something. How good, you know, so-and-so played, but the injuries wouldn't necessarily be the same. I would bet more money on Brooklyn now. Like, I think Brooklyn starting the playoffs, if you played it 10,000 times like a simulation, Brooklyn wins the title more often from what I've seen so far than I would have thought they would have won back when I liked them starting the playoffs. I mean, I like Brooklyn the best entering the playoffs. And I think in hindsight, I feel more strongly that Brooklyn was the better team. It took not only... Um, hardened, you know, however you want to describe the injury situation uh, against Milwaukee, you could make the case that not only didn't they have all three of them healthy at any point, really, but they didn't have two of them healthy for hardly any parts of the uh, the games. And they still were two inches away. Yes. So in, in a weird way, the team that's out... Has been the most impressive team, which shows you how it's an inch here and an inch inch there, and we just don't know who's going to win. And Philly could have won it, like we in in that simulation going back. If we did it ten thousand times, which you can't do in life, but computers try to do it in their simulations, is Philly could have would have won this thing certainly some percentage of the time, far more than one percent of the time, even with Simmons playing like he is. And then what would you have thought? Well, i tell you this. If it would have happened, it wouldn't allow me to say this Dark River stat. Okay, check this out. And just listen to this. It's almost unbelievable. So if you go back to 2005 and you say, all right, how many Game 7s have there been? So there's now been 60 Game 7s, okay, since 2005 in the NBA, any round of the playoffs. And you say, how's the home teams do? Because home game seven, you hear that historically, that's what you want, that's what you play the season for. The home court only really matters in the seventh game, because if you think about it, if it goes six, you've had three and three. So literally that extra home game matters if you play the seventh. So in those games, how many home teams got beat and got beat badly? there's been four home teams that were beat by more than 10 points. So 60 of them played game seven, four times the home team lost by more than 10 points. These are the situations. The 2005 Boston Celtics lost by 27 versus Indiana. The 2009 Boston team, this is the second worst, lost by 19 at home versus Orlando. 2019 Clippers lost by 15 versus Denver. And finally, of the worst losses, the 2016 Clippers lost by 13 versus Utah. So let's see here. I did all right on the SAT. (laughs) Let's see if I see a pattern. 2005, Boston. Who coached? All right, Doc. 2009, Boston. So five and nine. Yep, Doc. Doc. 2019 Clippers. Well, Doc was gone. No, no, he was there, Doc. (laughs) And the 2016 Clippers, lost by 13 to Utah. Doc. The four worst losses for a home team in Game 7 in the NBA since 2005, all were coached, the losing team, by Doc Rivers. Jonas, is that even believable?
5: It's, uh... (sighs) Yeah, there's a common theme there. There,
3: I don't want to say to Philly, and we're on in Philly, that, hey, this wasn't even a bad one. But imagine that this was his best Game 7 home loss. We were talking to
5: um, Anthony Gargano, who's a Fox Sports radio host, and he's been doing Philly sports radio for years and years. And he made the point that you know what other coach in a game seven is playing ten guys. Usually, you shrink the, you shrink your lineup because you want your best possible players in there, which is why you saw Durant as tired as he was in in Game Seven, and those Milwaukee Bucks players as tired as they were. And yet it's Doc Rivers, and he's he's got a full-blown rotation like he would have during a normal regular season game. And then to see what has happened with Ty Lue being able to get the Clippers over the hump by making adjustments in game, it just – as much as Doc can maybe throw Ben Simmons under the bus, I mean, there's a lot of people giving Doc the side eye today.
3: Yeah, and the irony to the Clippers and Lou was he did play a ton of players, and he did so again on you know, game one against Phoenix, and it was a brilliant move, I think, because what it did in the prior round against Utah was it allowed him to try enough combinations to arrive at one that even without Kawhi, they were able to go small and beat Utah in a way that exposed Gobert's limitations, even as Defensive Player of the Year, when they had five shooters on the floor. So the only way he got to that lineup was through his experiment, his experimenting that seems to be like what well, doc's right then expect but the theory is as the series progresses you're supposed to figure out and again i doc has forgotten more basketball than i know but somehow some way all that basketball is leading him to be very different in some ways like you said than conventional coaches and the results haven't been strong but here's the last question to me today on the process which is this, all of these questions about the process itself, about Philadelphia 76ers' future, last year, let's say 12 months ago, um, and again, it wasn't exactly 12 months ago because of the pandemic and how it was pushed late, but six months ago were very open questions. It wasn't like, yeah, we've won enough. If we lose for a few years, it's no big deal. The pressure was on when they made the following decisions. We need a new coach. Who should we get? And they, you know, let's be candid. The Sixers opening was one of the best. I don't think there would have been too many coaches of any that they would have offered the job to that would have said no thanks, that didn't have a job. So they had their choice of coaches, you would think. And they went for Doc. And you could talk about his title. You could talk about this or that. But you could also say that it's fair to say Doc has lost as much, as disappointed in the playoffs as much as any coach of the last 15 years. Would you agree? Generally, he's at that table.
5: Yep, Yep. that's fair.
3: And as ironic as it seems, because he's got such a good reputation as a GM, and they were making that same decision: who do we hire, keep his or bring in his GM? Daryl Morey is famous for what? is building an offense around Harden and maybe being a little one dimensional there. At least that's what the criticism is and having very good teams that seem to flame out late in series and not make it as far as they could, or sh- maybe even should. Wouldn't you say that the Houston and Morey had that rep as much as any GM?
5: Yeah, there's a lot of, of comps between Philly and Houston just in the sense that they tried a, an approach that maybe some other teams weren't trying And neither one of them worked.
3: Yeah, and Hanky, you know, had a relationship. I mean, like, there's a history there for sure with Moray. But the point is, it's almost like if I was somehow a spy that was trying to bring down the 76ers and I was deciding <laughs> on who to hire as the coach and GM to say, okay, we got Simmons about cracking. I mean, he's ready to really like have a have to go to therapy to, before he can shoot another free throw. What do we do to push him over? It's almost like <laughs> a crazy soap yeah. opera that they're trying to drive the brother crazy so they can like, take his business away. Right. It'd right. be like, well, Doc Rivers is coach, Morey is GM, you know and then make a trade that Harden was going to almost go there but then at the last minute it doesn't happen Harden goes and has a great year it's like almost everything seemed to have led up to him not taking that dunk shot and you got to wonder what were the decision makers in Philly thinking other than let's bring together some of the biggest let's say what if type you know, what if Doc had done this or that? What if Daryl Morey had done this or that? It seems like to bring those guys in and already kind of teetering, uh, whatever they built with the process was kind of teetering in the wind. You got to wonder what they were thinking to bring in these guys. I, I can't judge Daryl Morey as a GM but because he's better than me at basketball. But boy, oh boy, it feels like the narrative they should have been thinking if this day comes – there's going to be some blame being laid, it feels like.
5: And, and I just wonder, moving forward, now that this is, again, played out on another massive stage, and, and I would also say that this is the series in which Doc Rivers' inability to be able to close out teams or get it done in the postseason, I think he's, this is the one that's really gotten the most attention, you know, just because similar to Ben Simmons, these struggles have been here, but they had this standalone stage where you didn't have LeBron drowning out some of the attention, mm didn't have steph curry there to take away some of the attention all the focus was on philadelphia in these games and these standalone opportunities but this is the one i'm wondering moving forward if even his own players start to give him you know a little bit of the side eye you know late in games or you know if they get back to the postseason next year you know if they're if they're trailing late in the fourth
3: quarter i just wonder how
5: much of that doubt's going to creep into the roster as
3: well too and it's back to what and, and, and last subject on the Sixers, a, a quick one. It's one of the most fascinating things about the NBA is how different the playoffs are to the regular season. Because if it was so similar, like the NFL is quite similar, different but quite similar, you could say, well, there's you know prior 16 games, 17 games in the regular season, and then there's a handful of games in the playoffs. If you lose a couple years in a row in the playoffs, you can say small sample size that, hey, Green Bay, you can make the case 26 and 6 the last two years in the regular season. The playoffs, those two losses, those are flukes. Those are sample size issues. And I don't agree with that with Green Bay necessarily, but it's a very valid case. In the NBA, there's such a difference between the typically 82 games and then the playoffs. And the seven-game series makes fluky losses so much less likely. I don't think you can just say, look at the Sixers, who really did exceed expectations in the regular season. Because if you could, you could say, let's focus on that, not the small sample of the playoffs. I don't think you can do that. So, but we're going to stay tuned, as they say, and we're going to talk about Milwaukee's victory and advancing next.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas, weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
5: Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of You, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell.
3: When we come back, we're going to talk about that Milwaukee win and how they are, I don't know if Dan knows this, the favorite to win the NBA title.
5: That's coming up next but first straight out of Vegas is brought to you by Autozone Autozone has more ways for you to start your job your way that means getting what you need fast some jobs can't wait that's why Autozone offers free same-day store pickup free next day delivery is available in over 100,000 parts visit autozone.com today to start your job fast get in the zone Autozone he's RJ Bell I'm Jonas Knox this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports radio
0: straight out of Vegas <laughs> and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich here, and whether you're headed to a campus to see some college baseball, meet up with old friends, or show off the alma mater to your kids, spring is prime time in college towns. And if you're planning a trip, two words for you, graduate hotels. There's no better place to stay.
3: R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
5: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we have been talking and discussing about the NBA playoffs here on a Monday. No game later on tonight, but plenty of to discuss uh, as far as the weekend that was in the NBA, teams that are moving on and teams that are going home.
3: Yeah, and also, I don't know if Mr. Dan Byer knows this, but this weekend, I know he knows John Rahm won the U.S. Open, but did he know it's the first betting favorite to win the U.S. Open since 2008? You might want to throw that in his <laughs> updates. I'm just going to say, no big deal there. But we are going to go, and I think the best way to talk about Milwaukee, because, you know, having a show at 6 Eastern, we benefit that we get to kind of react to the reactions. But when it's been Saturday night, I mean, but maybe we should take a minute and say, Durant, what a battle. You know, whatever you questions you have about Durant, I think his heart. And I, there was a lot of people that, you know, he – Durant's got a coolness about him A kind of a a detachment sometimes It feels like But man, he left it on the floor And the irony of a game of inches Is, you know, a toe over the line Or that's an all-time, you know Series-ending shot So, in a way nothing new being added there, but I I think it was an amazing enough performance and perseverance from Milwaukee that we should give a little hat tip. Uh, What was your takeaway?
5: Yeah, no, I thought um, look, people can point to the injuries all they want. I think this playoff is going to be a matter of who's the healthiest team when it's all said and done. Milwaukee was the healthier team. They benefited from a a less than 100% James Harden, obviously Kyrie Irving not being there, and they ended up getting it done after a lot of criticism in overtime. It felt like the final shot for Durant in overtime. I, I think he knew that they didn't have another overtime left in him, and I don't think he was, playing, he was going for the tie. I think he was going to try and end it there. And I actually think based on the way that they – Performed in the lone overtime, and the fact that I think they only scored
3: two points mm-hmm. in, the, yeah. in that and overtime. The, the first two, bo- the first two points too. Yeah,
5: and, and then and then it was nothing after that. I, I think the reason why Durant was so frustrated at the end of regulation, the fact that he had you know two inches over, uh, you know, from being a three as opposed to a two, was because I think that was his same approach. He realized they were exhausted, they needed to try and end it there if they could, and unfortunately, they were two inches away from doing
3: so. You know that's interesting of all the analysis I heard uh, Bill Simmons was the only other person I heard say that and he agreed with you 100% so uh, now the question to me and that's Jonas Knox we are straight out of Vegas is does this slay the dragon uh, or the demon let's say of Milwaukee in the playoffs and, and Giannis and his ability to go all the way but I think obviously not they've made the conference finals before that was the toughest team they could face but I think the demons might still be ahead for Milwaukee even so, they are the favorite right now to win the NBA title. Milwaukee is plus 110. And then I'm going to run down the favorites here. And then uh, mckenzie's going to give us the actual series prices. We've got the Suns are next, the second favorite, at plus 140. And then there's a big drop. The Clippers are eight and a half to one and Atlanta is 11 to 1. Now Atlanta was 200 to 1 in March. So this is a heck of a long shot but still 11 to 1. Milwaukee the clear favorite, a bigger favorite to win the title than even Phoenix that's up 1-0 in the series already. Now if we look at the series prices, let's look at Atlanta, Milwaukee's. What's fascinating about the current series odds and and to me this is the the real takeaway um, uh, that that really tells you about Kawhi. But here's the thing, is if you look at Clippers and the Suns, is if you look at the current number, it is the uh, Suns who are minus 425. Now let's think about this, in general, if Kawhi were healthy and Paul and Chris Paul were playing, which you know you uh, would have expected coming in before any injuries or whatever, yeah. you'd have to say Phoenix is about an even team, even though they had a better record. The Clippers were considered to be as good. As a Phoenix, in fact, if you look at it, the Clippers, were considered to be as good as Utah. They had a better record than Phoenix when everyone was healthy coming in. And what's surprising is, or what really tells you about Kawhi, the reality of Kawhi, is the idea that the Jazz, when they had won Game One, were minus 200. And the idea that now. Phoenix wins game one and it's minus 425. It shows you Vegas doesn't believe Kawhi is coming back and it's built into the odds.
5: Yeah, no, I I would agree. And also, just coming into this series, if Kawhi were healthy, I'd feel like there would be more momentum on the side of the Clippers just from the standpoint that they took out the number one seed, that Utah was the number one seed in the the overall playoffs. You know, Phoenix, great, great series against the Lakers. But if we want to, you know, nitpick what they did, there were injuries that were an issue with the Lakers. And then Denver was dealing with, still dealing with the loss of Jamal Murray, and they fell apart. The Clippers, you can look at it and go, all right, well, they got back into the series against dallas they figured that out and then they were able to take care of business against utah who was the number one seed out west it felt like there would have been more momentum on the side of the clippers but the Kawhi injury i think is this is telling that he's not going to be back
3: and it's showing you a lot of people are saying i wonder if he's going to be back but again the odds are saying strongly Kawhi will not play in this series
5: We are straight out of Vegas. We will be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can listen to the show every single weekday on the iHeartRadio app.
0: Any college baseball fans out there, if you're traveling to see your team and need a place to stay, two words for you, graduate hotels.
1: We stayed at the Nashville location for the SEC tournament. It was awesome. Beautiful rooms, cool vibe, and perfect location.